0: Please stand for the reading of the word. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of age. You may be seated. Thank you, Harley. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good? It's good to see everybody today. Welcome to Hope City Church. My name is Jason. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love to get a chance to do that uh, after service uh, out in the lobby. We're continuing our series today, The Jesus Way. We've been doing this now for the last several weeks, really since we moved into the new building, um, headed towards Easter, which is is quickly approaching. And uh, this, the idea behind these teachings is we're looking at seven stories from the life of Jesus um, to kind of teach us or show us or remind us what's important to Jesus. And obviously, there are more than seven things important to Jesus, but we just picked seven. And the idea being that. Uh, if it was important to him, it should be important to us. If it's the way he would do something, then it's the way that we need to do something. And so we've looked at uh, all different themes and stories uh, about building the church. You know, Jesus, the Jesus way was to build the church. The Jesus way was to eat with sinners. The Jesus way was to bless children. The Jesus way was to pray and rest. We've looked at all of these uh, different themes. And today we are talking about or, or looking at... Uh, the way that Jesus made disciples. If we want to be more like Jesus, we have to make disciples. Now, maybe as I say that, you're thinking a couple of things. Maybe you're thinking, first of all, what does that mean to make disciples? But I think a lot of us in the room are thinking, wait a second, I didn't know I had to do that. I thought that's what you did. Like, I, I don't. that makes me nervous or scared or confused like wait a second I thought that was your job Jason I thought you made the disciples I thought you I was one of the disciples I thought I was being discipled what, what do you mean make disciples um and so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today it's common for for Christians to assume that the pastors or the pastoral staff uh, or the workers at the church that it's their job to make disciples. But Jesus said, in the verses that Harley read for us today, Jesus said that it's the job of every Christian. That if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that there is a mandate, there is a command. Uh, what we read today is traditionally called uh, the Great Commission. But it's, it's what Jesus said to his disciples. And, and it, it goes for all of us who, who follow Jesus. This great commission is the instruction of Jesus for every Christian to go into the world and make disciples. He's talking to us. He was talking to them, but he's talking to us to go into the world and and help every Christian. Find people, lead them to Christ, convert them to Christ, but then don't leave them there. Help them to grow. Help them to learn what it means and to put into practice following Jesus this is what Jesus did and it's what he instructs us to do so here's what I want to do for our time today is I really think the best way to try to understand this or the best way to put this into practice for us is to answer three questions so this is this is what we're going to do we're going to answer three questions the first question is what is a disciple the second question is am I a disciple and then the third question is how do I make a disciple all right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you a little bit today. I usually try to be as nice as I can be, and I'm going to still try to be nice. But I'm also going to press on you a little bit today. Um, but we're going to answer these two questions. What is a disciple? Am I a disciple? And how do I make a disciple? All right? So let's do that. First question, what is a disciple? What is a disciple? Uh, maybe you memorized the names of the disciples in a Sunday school class one time or in Bible, you know, in, in Christian school you went to. And so we, we kind of know of the 12 disciples, historically speaking, a disciple was someone who followed Jesus' full-time ministry. They committed their entire life to going wherever Jesus went and doing whatever Jesus asked them to do. This is traditionally in Christi- Christianity what a disciple is. But more generally, a disciple is someone, uh, anyone, who commits themselves to a cause or to a teaching or a leader, and then they build their life, they construct their life, and they act out their life based on the model of whoever it is that they're following. And based on that definition, we are all already disciples. All of us today are being and have been discipled, and everyone in the room today is a disciple of something or someone. I was thinking about this, um, you know, some, some examples. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, uh, non-Christian examples of, of ways that I've been discipled. And the first thought that came to my mind was the way that my dad taught me to play golf. In our family, you know, his dad taught him, and, and then he taught us, and my uncles taught their sons, and I'm teaching my son. And and I was, I was thinking, I was actually, Andrea was asking me about different, some different ideas of this. And, and I was telling her, you know, when I go and play golf, I play golf like my dad plays golf. I think about golf the way my dad, I, the way he taught me, you know, on certain holes or if the water's over here, you aim over here or, you know, you lay up on par fives or what, like the way that I think about golf is, is the way that my dad taught me how to play golf. And then, but maybe for you, it's like, yeah, it's not golf, but maybe it's like you cook like your grandmother. You know, every time you go into the kitchen, and and maybe there's certain pans or pots that were actually from her, or there's recipe cards, or maybe there's no recipe cards because she didn't use recipes, she just knew, you know, you just pour a little bit or whatever it is, And and so every time you go to cook, you are... You are cooking based on the model and the teaching of a leader, someone who, who led you. Or maybe you parent like your mother. That could be good or bad, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. Or you parent like your father. I think all of us have had those experiences where we were, we were parenting our kids and words came out of our mouth and we went, oh my gosh, I sound like my parents. It's because we were discipled. We we were modeled what parenting looked like, hopefully by some parents or someone who raised us, and, and we do that. Or maybe you work like your mentor. You think strategically about investments, like the person who taught you to invest or or whatever it is. And so I think, and this is not a biblical definition, but this is my my definition, my opinion, I think at its simplest kind of basic layer, I think... Being a disciple just means that you hear someone's voice in your head. And again, that's not in the Bible. That's not a verse in the Bible. But as I was thinking about my experiences in Christian Christianity and outside of Christianity, I think if you really want to know, like, who's discipling me? What am I a disciple of? I think a great way to answer that question is whose voice do I hear in my head? When I'm on the golf course, I hear my dad's voice. Maybe when you're in the kitchen, you hear your grandmother's voice. And so this is true for Christianity. Obviously, we all want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, we feel and hear the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it's not just the Holy Spirit that maybe when you come to church, you hear someone's voice in your head. Or when you're trying to pray, you hear someone's voice in your head. Where there's some tension or some struggle is that while we are trying to follow Jesus, while we're trying to be disciples of Jesus, we also hear other voices in our head. We are discipled by other things too. We're discipled by Fox News or Donald Trump or Joe Rogan or Dave Ramsey or Baby Wise or Beachbody. or I mean, I, I was just trying to think of all of the different influences we have. And when we're thinking about how we're going to live our life or the decisions we're gonna make or the way that we're gonna view people or the words that we're gonna say, whether we realize it or not, a lot of us have other voices in our head. And we would say like, no, I mean, I'm not a disciple of them. And we could argue about that if we wanted to, but I think if we zoomed out just enough, we could at least say that I have been influenced and I base my life and the actions of my life are because of someone that I am either modeling after or repeating or or hearing in in my head. And, And the reason I wanted to take some time to say that is because this is not a choice today between being a disciple of Jesus or not being a disciple. It's a choice between who you will be a disciple of You will either be a disciple of Jesus or you will be a disciple of someone else. And so hopefully for all of us in the room who are Christians, we would say, I am building my life and modeling my life on Jesus Christ. So this leads us to our second question that we want to answer today. Now that we have a little bit of a better understanding of what is a disciple, the next question we have to ask ourselves are, Am I a disciple? And I, and like I said, I mean, we all are influenced. But I mean specifically, am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? If we think about some of those other examples I gave you, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey is a great example. So many of you have been through FPU and, you know, we kind of joke and laugh about like you get ready to spend money and you think like, what would Dave Ramsey say? You know, like that's, uh, that, that's an example of that. But as you think about other, you know, examples outside of Jesus, maybe, like, one of the the filters, some of the filters you could use for whether or not they are discipling you is maybe you believe them and you defend them when other people don't believe them. Or maybe you quote them. Well, you know what Dave says. Or, Or maybe you ask yourself, what would they do? Or... Maybe you spend your money or give your money to support them so that they can, you know, get bigger or reach more people. And if we just use those kinds of um, criteria, believing and defending and quoting and sharing and thinking about what they would do and using our money to support them, if we just use that criteria for Joe Rogan or Donald Trump or Dave Ramsey or whoever, Joanna Gaines, you know whoever, then if, if we took that same criteria and we put it on Jesus Christ, would we say that we believe him, we defend him, we quote him, we share him, we ask ourselves what would he do, we give and sacrifice and spend our money to, to defend him or support him. That those would be a few of the questions and filters we could use to say, am I a disciple, to answer, am I a disciple of Jesus Christ? And this is really kind of a modern idea. If I was preaching this message 1,500 years ago or 2,000 years ago, they would be very confused at this point in the message because they would have no concept that there would be such things as Christians who are not disciples, that it's a very modern idea that you would say, like, I'm a Christian, but I don't know that I'm necessarily a disciple. There's this idea that discipleship or disciples are, like, the really committed. They are the indoctrinated. They are the, um, you know, the ones who have the time to really go above and beyond. Like, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but I'm not, uh, I mean, maybe I'm not all in like someone else is. Back in this time, like, Back in, in, in Jesus' time and the early church, like, if you decided you were going to, there was no sense of, like, I'm going to become a Christian. The question was, are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to follow Christ? This is what it meant to be a disciple. Are you going to build your life on the teachings of Christ? Are you going to try to live your life based on the model of Christ? And so we have a little bit of tension, all of us. This idea that somehow you could be a, a non-practicing Christian—I did not grow up Catholic. I don't want to take any shots at the Catholic Church, but but it wasn't until I moved to Louisville that I got really kind of uh, uh, close to a lot of uh, Catholics. That the, I didn't even know before I moved here. I grew up in the Bible but Everybody was either Baptist or whatever. I didn't, I'd never really heard the terminology of a non-practicing Catholic or not, you know. And so it's easy to maybe take shots at the Catholic religion for that, but. I think there's a lot of Christians who could be categorized as non-practicing Christians. And just so you know, that's not a thing. That's not a real thing. Christianity must be practiced. There's no such thing as belief-only Christians. And um, and so this is a moment for all of us today to um, to really reflect on our commitment level, the commitment level of our faith. And if you've been around Hope City long at all, you know that, that I always get nervous around this time in a message because this is where the easiest thing in the world to do is to apply guilt or shame. You're not doing enough, you need to do more, you need to do better. And even if no one, even if, if no preacher ever preached a message that way, are we, our, our sinful natures naturally are inclined. When a preacher starts talking about commitment level, just be like, you're right, you're right, I need to do better, I need to read more, I need to study more, I need to be nicer, I need to be kinder. We already are inclined to guilt and shame. And so what I don't want to do today is is to talk about your commitment level and, and make you leave here feeling worse about where you are. Because what you learn about disciples in the Gospels is that Jesus picked and invited people that no one else would have invited to follow him. No, no one else. And so if you're here today and you would say, man, I just don't know if I have what it takes to be a disciple. I don't know that I'm serious enough to be a disciple. I don't know that I'm smart enough to be a disciple. I don't. You are the prime candidate based on the criteria that Jesus used in the Gospels. The only requirement is that you would follow him that you would set aside the way and the guide of your life that you had used before and the model of your life that you had used before. And if we wanted to use Bible terminology, that you would drop your nets. You would walk away from your table as a tax collector. You would leave mother and father behind, and you would follow Jesus. You'd build your life on Jesus. We're not talking about perfection We're not talking about not having bad days or bad weeks or losing your temper. At its most fundamental level, we would say that being a disciple means being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. All of us today, as we want to follow Jesus more and build our life more on him, really what we're talking about is being the kind of person who spends time with Jesus, becomes more like Jesus, and then would do what Jesus would do. And based on those three criteria, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus would do, would you say that you are a practicing Christian? Would you say that you are a disciple, would you say that you have had a moment, you have had uh, some experience in your life where you know that the Holy Spirit has, has, has invited you, has called you, that, the, that there has been a power that you have experienced where you know that you laid down your old life and you decided to, to build a new one based on Jesus Christ? I want to show you a clip this morning of, uh, of the show The Chosen. I know Katie did this, but as we're talking about the Jesus way, there's been so many just images from the show The Chosen that have come to mind as we've been thinking about um, these messages. But uh, one, in, in the first season, like episode three, I think, maybe, I can't remember exactly, maybe four, but uh, in the first season, one of the just most gripping storylines of The Chosen was the story of Nicodemus. And um, if you've seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. But I'm, I want to show you this clip. If you know Nicodemus, like John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. Well, in the show, obviously they take a little bit of creative liberty um, based on some other factors. And that Jesus invited Nicodemus, just like Peter, James, and John and Matthew, to be one of his disciples, to come and to follow him. But this was a very hard decision for Nicodemus because Nicodemus was a highly established religious leader. And, uh, and there's this gripping scene I want to show you uh, of Nicodemus trying to decide whether or not to follow Jesus. And then we'll watch that and then I'll talk about it. Be everyone. Everyone's here? Yes, this is all of us. Is there anyone else? Uh, look at this. What is that? I don't know. Let's find out. a friend of mine left that for us it's enough for two weeks of food and lodging you came so close what do you mean we need to go for to make it to a camp in Tiberius by nightfall Simon is correct. Should I have others? <laughs> this is such a gripping scene where Nicodemus is on the edge, he's on the verge. And again, there was some creative liberty taken here. We don't exactly know what happens, but we know that Nicodemus has the opportunity to leave his life behind and to follow Jesus. And he's, he's so close, but he just can't do it. And he leaves a bag of money and there's this, you just feel it in this scene where what could have been. And what's beautiful about the story of Nicodemus actually is if you go to the end of John, Nicodemus was one of the ones who came after Jesus was on the cross and helped to uh, put him in a grave and and helping that with Joseph. But we don't know what happens in those three years over that time, but we know that Nicodemus is still longing to experience God in a real way and to and to be a disciple of Jesus. But as you watch that scene and you see Nicodemus standing behind that wall, I think there's something in all of us that knows that feeling. I want, I want to fully commit. I want to be all in. I want to fully build my life on the teachings of Jesus. I want to fully build my life on his model. I want to do that. But there's just... I'm too afraid. There's too much to leave behind. There's too, much, there's too much social collateral. There's too much embarrassment. There's too much fear. There's, just, there's something or some things that are holding me back. And what I would say to you today is that Jesus is inviting you. Whether you've been a church attender for 20 years or whether this is your first time in a church service, if there is something that is pulling at your heart, if there's some power that is drawing you, what you are experiencing is the Holy Spirit saying, follow me. Don't just be a church attender. Don't just be a moral parent. Don't just be a good businessman who treats people well, but actually follow me. Build your life on me. And so we want to be a disciple. We want to be all in following Jesus, which leads us to our third question. How do we make a disciple? How do I make a disciple? Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, he tells us to go into the world and to to convert and to baptize and to make disciples. He puts that responsibility on us. Well, I definitely would say the first requirement would be that we are a disciple. But then after that, he would say, those of you who are disciples, go and make other disciples. And even as I say that to you, I think most people in the room would say, I am completely unqualified to do that. Completely unqualified. I'm just trying to follow Jesus for myself. I'm trying to kick my bad habits. I'm trying to keep my cool. I'm, I'm trying to hold it together for myself. How in the world am I going to lead somebody else? How in the world am I going to model and, 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 and help and teach and train someone else? And I understand your hesitation. And just so you know, I feel that all the time. It's not that, you know, the church attenders feel that, but the pastors don't feel that way. All of your pastoral staff would say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about self doubt. You want to talk about feeling like I don't have what it takes to somehow help someone else. Like, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. But based on what we've already learned today, I think it's important to remember that you are already making disciples. Mom and dad, you're already making disciples. Boss, entrepreneur with staff, you're already making disciples. Grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, neighbor, coach, teacher. You're already making disciples. Your voice is already in someone else's head. The way that you do things has already been picked up by other people. Whether you realize it or not, you influence people and you model behavior. What Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to experience him truly experience him, build our lives on him, really be a disciple of Jesus, and then he wants us to take what we are learning and what we are doing with all of our failures, with all of our vulnerability, with all of our experience and our triumphs, our lessons and wisdom, and he wants us to help other people become disciples of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, is the famous verse where the Apostle Paul just says this statement. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's really what we're talking about. Follow me as I follow Christ. Could you say that, 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 that that's in your heart somewhere, that that's a goal of yours, that that's a motivation of yours? Most of us would say, I'm just trying to follow Christ, But there is a command that Christ gives us to be able to say to those around us or in our home or in our classroom or on our team or in our company to say, you know what? Follow me as I follow Christ. The the imagery that comes to mind is... um, Anytime I travel, I fly a lot, and I always try to sit in an exit row, and they always come to me before the flight, or they come to the people sitting in the exit row, and they say, in the case of emergency, would you be willing to help? The, you know, da-da-da, and they always say, I need to hear a yes, and it's like, yes. Can I, I just want to let everybody know, in the case of a crash, I don't have any idea what we're doing. <laughs> I am utterly unqualified to help anyone in an emergency get off a crashed plane, But you know what you can do? You can follow me as I exit the plane. I don't know what we're doing or where we're going, but if you just want to hop in behind me, we're getting out of here. At its core, that's really what we're trying to do. I don't don't know how to do all this. I don't, I don't know how to not struggle. I don't know how to not fail. I don't know how to pray and feel like my prayers are always effective. I don't know how to always try to love people who are unkind or treat people fairly, who treat people unfairly. I'm trying. We're trying to do this. We're all trying to do this. Here's the best I can offer you. I'm trying to follow Christ. Why don't you follow me as I follow Christ? This is what it means to make a disciple. But it will never happen accidentally. It must be intentional. Here, here's a, a crazy stat for you. That... Jesus, if you look at the Gospels, the, the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you look at the four Gospels and you, you put all the stories together, what you find is that Jesus spent 73% of his time with the 12 disciples. 73% of Jesus' time was with the 12 disciples, which is kind of a crazy thought because if he would have spent more time with the masses, he could have healed more people or. He could have changed the political landscape or all of those things, but he was here and he's three years for his ministry and he knew that his goal, his mission, the most important thing he could do would be to invest in these 12 so that they could build the church. And so he spent 73% of his time with the disciples, an intentional investment. And I was thinking about, based on that stat, based on the power of time, I was thinking about How all of the things that I build my life on are really just the things that I commit most of my time to. And if I wanna make disciples, if I want people to follow me as I follow Christ, then really, it really comes down to one factor time. Is my calendar available? Is it open? I love what Pastor Katie said. Um, Pastor Katie several years ago was talking about this, that as she was following Jesus and, and she wanted to to help other people follow Jesus. she said, "I looked at my calendar. I was really busy. We have kids and, you know and jobs and all this stuff. And she said, "I noticed that, you know the only time I really didn't have anything to do. Was when I was like folding laundry or working around the house. And so there were people in the church who were saying, you know, Pastor Katie, will you help me? You know, could you? I would love to like, you know, talk to you. And she would say, Well, I'm folding laundry Wednesday. If you just want to come over and sit in the living room with me while I'm folding laundry, you just come on over. And some of you in this room right now are disciples of Jesus because you sat there and helped fold socks in her living room. And you say, Well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. It's time. Follow me as I follow Christ. Guess what? Disciples fold socks. So I'm going to be folding socks on Wednesday. You can help or not help. But if you just want to sit in the living room, we can talk. It doesn't have to be a conference. It doesn't have to be a, a book necessarily. It's time that says, like, you can have some of my time. And if you'll spend enough time with me, you're going to start hearing my voice in your head and if you're hearing my voice in your head hopefully you're hearing the voice of Christ in your head when you go to pray hopefully there's some part of you that says well you know this is how so and so Or I heard them pray this way. When I was spending time with them, this is how they prayed. Or I was with them when they ran into a high-pressure situation, and this is how they kept their cool. Or I was with them when uh, they experienced some terrible tragedy, and, and here's how they responded to that. And then you're in those exact situations. But hopefully as we go down the line, what we're doing is we are building our life and following the teachings of Jesus Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit. We do not get to follow the human God in Jesus, but we do get to follow the Holy Spirit. And so we wake up each morning, we wake up each day, and we say, okay, I want to build my life and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to do what Jesus would do, be with Jesus as much as I can, and open my life up to other people so that they would be more like Christ That if they start looking more like me, then they're gonna start looking more like Christ. If they start praying more like me, then they're gonna start praying more like Jesus. If they start parenting more like me, then they're gonna start parenting more like Jesus. It's time. It's intentional investment. And so I'm gonna pray for us, uh, and then we're gonna have the opportunity to take communion and, uh, and pray together. And as you take communion, if you'd like to do that, you do not have to do that. But if you'd like to do that, as you come forward and you take the bread and you dip it in the juice, I want you to think about the fact that that God did not send us just codes of conduct. He did not send us just the laws. He did not send us just belief statements or terms of service. He sent us an example, a Savior in Jesus Christ, that when we... When we obey and we follow the the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we commit our life to Jesus, that we actually have a flesh and bone example of what God looks like as a human being. And we'll never be be, be able to be all of that because of our sinful natures, but we can be more like that. And so as we take the bread and the juice that was broken and the blood that was spilled, not just for our sins, but so that we could have life and we had an example that we could follow. So let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you gave us a flesh and blood example of God with skin on. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more like that today than we were yesterday. And God, I pray that you would give us an awareness and a passion and a burden to find those around us who are behind us, maybe on our journey of trying to follow Jesus. And we would make an intentional effort to open our lives to them, to spend time with them so that they can follow us as we follow Christ. Thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.